0: Western Australia is home to some of the world's most impressive natural areas. We look in awe at wonders like Mount Augustus or The Gap, and we can appreciate them for their natural beauty and their sheer size and scale, but how we respond and connect to that visual experience is enhanced by understanding what we're seeing. This is where interpretation plays a key role. Interpretation's more than just information and signage. Interpretation in national parks is about engaging visitors with storytelling and the use of subtle themes, that enable visitors to understand and appreciate the value of our history, environment and culture. Today we're speaking with two women who've played a pivotal role in the development of visitor interpretation across Western Australia. Lorna Charlton is a senior communications designer with Parks and Visitor Services, and she plans, designs and develops interpretation products that help to enrich the visitor experience and create advocates for WA's parks and conservation programs. Jackie Baxter is the coordinator for the Visitor Communication Unit within Parks and Visitor Services, and she's got a strong background in cultural interpretation, working in regional areas of Western Australia and the Northern Territory. Jackie's passionate about ensuring Aboriginal cultural references are not just included in the interpretation projects, but embedded in the visitor experience. Effective interpretation helps visitors connect with the place on both an intellectual level and an emotional level, and today we're going to find out how these two ladies helped visitors do just that. Welcome Lorna and Jackie. Thank you. you. I'm coming to learn that interpretation is not only a science, but an art form. Lorna, can you tell me what is interpretation and why is it important?
1: It's interesting. When people ask me what I do and I say I'm a heritage interpreter or I do heritage interpretation, they look completely bewildered and have no idea. But if you look at that as two words, and heritage is a reference to nature and culture, so... Wherever you go in parks, and it doesn't have to be within a park anywhere really, you'll find that a place has natural values and it has cultural values. So heritage interpretation is very much the values-based communication. And the other component to that is interpretation, and that's the storytelling. So it's a very particular type of communication with a very particular outcome in mind. And that's really, what we set out to do is to create memorable and personal experiences. So your introduction was fantastic, it was spot on. Um, So we're designing those very personal experiences uh, which motivate people to greater understanding and care of the environment being interpreted. And also an appreciation of the effort required to protect and sustain that environment. So we're creating advocates for the programs that we um, run as a department uh, in terms of conserving and protecting those values. One of the, I wanted to share a, one of my favourite quotes because I think it really sums up what interpretation means to me and that is a quote by a German physicist Max Planck who is known as the founder of quantum physics and the quote is, when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change So essentially, he demonstrated that when we look at an object, the characteristics of the object actually change at a molecular level. But with interpretation, we're able to sort of achieve the same things because we're trying to get people to look at things, the same thing, but in a different way. We're trying to shift perspectives and perceptions and get them to see it with completely new eyes. And we're doing that by making it relatable and meaningful and memorable. So when we talk about communication design, we're sort of designing those, those sorts of experiences for people. How wonderful. And Jackie, why
0: do you think interpretation is important?
2: We have so much information, and especially in the age that we live in now. It is everywhere. It's on your phone, it's on your TV. And people are just so into it. Like I take a train ride and I see everybody with their phone Now we don't see them driving with their phone. But it's just no conversation and it's very quick and it's just a few words. Everything is just so narrowed down. And to me, no longer has any true value. When you see someone that listens to a story, their eyes light up, their heart glows because it touches them in a very, very different way than a one-sided sort of conversation so even with our media it can be online or it can be a sign but when we're speaking to someone through a sign the sign goes it's those words and those pictures and imagery and art that actually tells a story Um, and i think everybody loves a damn good story and we live in a landscape that's full of them
0: and Lorna, can we go back to your point about um, creating advocates for nature? Um, how does interpretation help to do that?
1: There's it, It's a process. So it's all about raising awareness. And this can be people who um, either care about the place that they've, they've, uh, they've decided to visit, a national park, for instance, or perhaps they, they don't even care about it. They might be indifferent or have strong opinions where they're not, they sort of enter a place and it doesn't really mean much to them. But we start the process through awareness, that's really, really important. And then that leads to understanding and then understanding ultimately leads to, if you, you know if you do it correctly and do it well, then that understanding leads to seeing it through new eyes and, and an appreciation for it, um, especially if you can make it relatable to that person and their life and then that appreciation leads to uh, a point where they start to care about it and value it. They can actually see the value uh, of that that place. They can see the natural values, they can see the cultural values, and by making it relatable, it becomes important to them and they start to value it. And so really, ultimately, heritage interpretation is about protecting the things that we care about. Uh, the things that we value, the things that we want to protect for current, you know, present generations and for future generations. So it is a process and sometimes it won't be immediate. It'll just set a seed in someone's mind. And one of the things that we look at doing is in developing and crafting our interpretation is we craft takeaway messages. So it might not have an immediate impact, but it's a message, it's a simple message. They take it away with them. And they start to consider it in other places that they visit. In, and within their life, you know, in, even at home within their own lives, that you're setting a seed and it's starting to shift the way they look at things, it's starting to shift values, it's starting to shift beliefs. Uh, so that's how we set about creating advocates and supporters for what we do.
0: And Jackie, why is it important to um, reference Aboriginal cultural heritage through interpretation in parks?
2: Well I think most people realise that the Aboriginal culture is really, really old um, and they were our original founders of this landscape that we live in now. And we would also recognise the fact that a lot of people just don't know anything about them. But these are our current neighbours and they're also our current partners in managing our parks and places that we have in Western Australia. I lived in the Northern Territory for a long time and it was just part of my every day and I would feel very fortunate to have lived that life for 25 years old. When I first came to WA, there was sort of something missing to me and it was, no one, no one talked about the Aboriginal side of things or the cultural things that just wasn't around. So my first thing was to find that missing link was to connect people back to the Aboriginal culture but also the Aboriginal people and that it wasn't a story of about what happened 40,000 years ago. That's part of the story um, and certainly part of the value but it's about what's happening now and the people, what they're doing and, and, and how they manage their culture or share their culture. So I have been really fortunate to work with so many Aboriginal groups in Western Australia to talk about their um, their culture and their passion, their vision um, and what they want to do for their countrymen now, but also to protect this now into the future. And of course the sustainability of their life is employment and, and having Aboriginal people feel proud of their culture Um, and it's just amazing what's happening all throughout WA Um, and projects recently that I've worked on where the Aboriginal people have come out on country we've worked together we've had a linguist they've done their own artwork to tell the stories and it's a very new project the signs have been produced and about to be installed out on that park so I won't say what the park is, we'll just let you find it, but you'll, I think you'll really welcome and, and enjoy reading their stories because they've told them, not us.
0: And I think that goes back to Lorna's point about creating advocacy. Once you understand and you value something, yep. you respect it and you want to protect it. Yep. Lorna, can you tell me briefly, besides words on signs... What are other ways that the messages can be sent to create that advocacy or develop that immersive experience that are more subtle and subliminal than reading words on a sign?
1: One great example, uh, uh, something I'm a huge advocate for, is art in the parks. Um, I, I love the fact that we, it's, it's not just signage, uh, it could be an app, so it can be digital, face to face is a really effective way of interpretation, uh, or you know, interpreting our heritage and getting those values across. That creates really special experiences when it's face to face. But art, art is, oh, I'm a great advocate of that. It's just another way of sharing a message in a very creative way, in a very engaging way, often in a very surprising way. I've been in a, in a park, it was down at Dryandra one day and we just installed some artwork and a family came through and they sort of looked up in great surprise and, and one of them said, I'd never expect to see something like that here. So it's it provides another way of telling the story uh, and it can be very effective because it we all learn in different ways. We all engage in different ways and for some people it, it really, you know, this reading a sign may not be as effective but when they see some artwork and they look at it and they... Sort of understand what that represents, or even if they put their own meaning into it, it can be more meaningful and have a bigger impact. So it's subtle, but it's very effective.
0: Can you tell me some of the
1: other projects that you've worked on that you really enjoyed? Well, that that particular that example there was uh, one of the, one. Or I should say one of the parks where we put art an art installation in was Fitzgerald River National Park, and one of the reasons I enjoyed that project was that it was all of park. It was on a big scale. It was a total redevelopment of the park because the uh, mine in Ravensthorpe had shut down and Hopetown was uh, struggling in terms of its economy. So there was a project established called the Fitzgerald River National Park Improvement Project to reinvigorate the economy of Hopetown. The park sits between Hopetown and Bremer Bay on the south coast and I really enjoyed that because it was such, it was the scale that sort of occurred on, and the degree to which we could redevelop all the facilities and turn it into something really, really special. And the fact that we could incorporate a significant art installation into that made, a, you know, it just made it a very fascinating and interesting and, and challenging project, um, but with some really great outcomes that um, were evident when the local community were able to come back into the park, it reopened, uh, and you could see the effect that that had on, on them and the, the sort of experience it provided.
0: So that when we talk about having great. an emotional response, that's just a fine, fine example yes. of that. Yeah. yeah. And Jackie, do you have any good projects well, that you've well, worked on? One
2: where I've, we've used art was, uh, there was a new boat built for the Dungu Geeky Gorge boat tour. So for me to be asked to, gee, could we do something about skinning this boat was a wonderful opportunity to use the artistic skills of an employee, Gwen, um, and we engage with the Aboriginal people to what was the story you want to share. So this boat has been skinned with all this amazing artwork, but it's a very important uh, cultural story for Dangu And so you've got that vis- the visitor seeing the visual of this boat and being, I think, amazed because it wouldn't have been an expectation. And then when you get onto the boat and have your tour, that story in paintings becomes a story that's told by a, a Bunaba ranger. So he then shares that story orally. So you, when by the time you then leave that tour, you know what all of that artwork means. And I like the fact that every person that goes there um, sees that boat and would question in their mind, well, what's that about? But they, they get that translation or that interpretation whilst they're on the tour. So I think it's really quite a memorable experience. But the other thing is it's about the engagement of those local Bunuba people and seeing their story, taking such pride of place in that place, in that park. So I
0: loved that project. That artwork really is so beautiful. Mm. Lorna, have there been any examples where interpretation has not been well received or it's had a negative impact from the public or been seen to damage the environment or anything like that?
1: Interesting you should ask that. Uh, There have been examples of signs that I've done that have challenged people. And one, and that was an exa- That was where I was uh, talking about parasites in the environment, and it's all about making things relatable. It's a conversation so starter. It it was. I think it was a bit of one. Um, <laughs> so it was down at Dryandra. It was on a drive trail that we established, and at each stop, we were able to put interpretation in which talked about the habitat at that stop. And there were five different stops with very different habitats within that park, and. One of them, there were sandalwood trees, which are a parasitic plant. So I thought it's a great opportunity to talk about parasites. And to make it relatable, I brought it back to the fact that we as humans have parasites. So I talked about you know, head lice, you know, it has itchy heads, perhaps itchy bottoms. <laughs> you know, we, we all get worms. And, it, and there were complaints. There was actually a complaint made to the, to the office at Narogen after someone had read this sign, I think they perhaps thought I'd crossed a line of some sort and were offended. But on the plus side, I thought, well, they read the sign. It's
0: got people <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. The, the other example, which is much more recent, which uh, it, it falls into the, you know, one of the projects I've enjoyed the most in the, you know, over two decades of working here is actually a very recent one and that's the Dwelling Up and the Collie Adventure Trails. So those projects are very big projects that are designed to reinvigorate the economies of the, the towns of Collie and Up and create them or turn them into ta- uh, trail towns. So it's, it's attracting local and interstate and international um, trail users. The vast majority of those trails are mountain bike trails and some people might think, well, there's a huge conflict there between mountain biking and nature conservation and putting these trails into our parks and reserves. But what I've discovered through the process, which has been absolutely delightful, is that we've been really intentional in our branding. And so we rebranded the Collie Adventure Trails, the Wombenger Trails. Now the Wombenger is a small marsupial. It's not very well known because it's arboreal, it's up in the trees. It's nocturnal, so it's only active by night. Uh, it's small, it's about squirrel-sized. And this is um, this particular little animal, the Wambinja, so that's the Noongar name, the local Noongar name for this animal, which is uh, Fasca Gale. So it's Fasca Gale to Really, no one knew what it was or even knew that it existed, but it falls into that near-threatened category because, like the vast majority of our wildlife, it's threatened by habitat loss and fragmentation it's there's a loss of tree hollows and it really relies on those tree hollows for shelter and nesting and you've got diseases like dieback so it's facing a lot of threats it before we began this whole project and renamed it the wombanger trails nobody knew what a wombanger was they didn't really even know they existed we've used the wombanger in the trail logo We've used it in individual trail motifs. The name appears again and again everywhere. And I think the most successful use of the the, the Wombenger in the Trails project was in an event where it was all the branding was launched, the logo was launched in Collie. And you had all sorts of merchandise branded with the logo. Images of the Wombenger appeared everywhere. There were wombengers placed in shops all throughout the town, and a treasure hunt was created to find the wombengers. At the same time, there was the Collie Mural Trail being developed, and one of the big murals in town has got a wombenger in it. And then they employed the artists to actually paint little wombengers on walls all throughout the town. That town, the people in that town, now are huge advocates for the wombenger. They, you see pictures of it everywhere. Everybody knows what it is. They know that it's a threatened species, and it's 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 sort of almost interpretation. I'm seeing immediate, you know, results, and it's it's really rewarding to see that happening. Um, really, it's it, out of all the projects ever done, that's the that's probably the one that I've seen the greatest and most immediate impact in terms of. The recognition and support for a threatened species, and and yet, and, and what happens is that not only is it on the logo and, and trailhead signage and everything, but we're it, this is possibly a first in Australia, where we're putting within the mountain bike networks, we're putting "you are here" signs. Yeah. You know, it's part of that providing information, orientation that keeps people safe and, you know, enjoying the experience. But we're using those signages as an interpretive opportunity. So we're putting stories about the values of the trails, of the park that the trails are in, on those signs. So the mountain bike riders are getting plenty of interpretation at the start of the trail and while they're doing the trail. Uh, So it's, the trails have been carefully designed to, you know, we're getting the right trails in the right place because they go through a very detailed and, and careful process in terms of design. So it's, it's, a pro, it's a project where people were hesitant perhaps about putting mountain bike trails in because they could see conflict and yet through interpretation and raising awareness you know you come back to that initial step raising awareness that makes a huge difference and it's actually been beneficial in terms of our conservation goals. And what
0: a wonderful example of being able to appeal to a demographic of mountain bikers, which are young men, stereotypically, that are adventure focused. They're not necessarily a conservation focused, but an opportunity to provide tangible and intangible um, outcomes for messaging that they've quite clearly received. I think that's wonderful. So we'll just um, wrap up with one more question that I'll pass over to you, Jackie that I think it's a common misconception that interpretation is just signage telling you where to go or what you're looking at. Can you dispel some other myths around interpretation?
2: A lot of people make that mistake and they just think it's just a sign and they think it can happen like that. But what they don't realise is the amount of planning and research that goes into visitor communication that has to happen before we get anywhere near saying what's contained within the sign. And before you say what's contained within the sign, it's how many words need to be communicated. That determines the sign and its size, etc. But it's also back to what needs to be communicated and how will, we do, how will we do that? So we do that through many forms. Signs are on the ground, in the park or in the place, but we do pre-visit visitor communication And we do that through publications, like the booklet about national parks in WA. So that's something that you can grab and carry with you in your car. We have Explore Parks, which is our website, which is currently being rebuilt. And that's where people can find out about our parks and places and plan a holiday. Where do they want to go? And when do they want to do that? And the rebuild will also be designed mainly people going in through Google So you're searching and that you land on a place, um, but the information has definitely been designed to really be appropriate for the order in which someone wants to find out their information. So in there, it's a lot of information, but we then will have visitor guides, which will provide some interpretive material within that publication or that digital publication. So it's not an interpretive piece, but we do this, all together. You know, you don't sell apples without the apple core or the stalk. So it's part of a whole and visitor communication includes information, orientation and interpretation. And so there's a lot of things that need to be considered in, in that development process. So with digital, you can have a website which is our information source, but we can also have apps that are created and that can have an interpretive focus. Like I'm wanting to develop one for um, Cape Arid, which is in the middle of nowhere, but there's so much information, but we don't want 25 signs in a kilometre, but we can have the information and interpretive material in there that someone can use at their leisure and they can read through it before they go or they can use it on site. We're redeveloping Purnalulu Visitor Centre at the moment And that's a place that is ruled by wet season, dry season. And to have to remove signs so they don't float away, every year, we've looked at the issue of like, how much manpower does that take? And if you can remove that they need all that time and do an app that provides that information, you download it before you go, you've got it with you, that's more time for our staff to do possibly face-to-face interpretation which we know is the ultimate of any interpretation is when you have a face-to-face interpretive experience. And
0: I guess for the visitor as well it must give them a sense of ease like the point that you made earlier that they've gone through that whole visitor experience to plan their trip and um, get there and you said that a sign is not, it just marks that you've arrived and when that brand consistency is there from the digital experience to the brochure experience to the signage experience it makes the customer or the visitor feel safe um, at ease and then they can be more open to those yeah, interpretive absolutely. messages yep. in order to yep. feel what you want them to feel and walk away with that advocacy yep. yeah yep, absolutely. it's a whole yep. picture
1: yep.
0: well thank you so much for your time today Lorna and Jackie um, and anybody listening you can read bridging the gap the art of interpretation and its importance in geology in the spring 2021 edition of landscape magazine out now